You're now entering the Wanderers. Back to the podcast. Uh, today I have Kawa to my left and I have Charles to my right. Uh, Kawa, give us a little introduction about yourself. Yeah, man. Uh, okay. So <laughs> we can get right into it. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in a nutshell, man, um, you know, a lot of people don't know that I was born in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. I'm Afghan. Uh, so that pretty much means I'm Muslim, you know, mm-hmm. uh, primarily Afghan. Practicing? Afghans are Muslim. I don't practice, bro. Mm-hmm. I, I, I I do believe <coughs> in the religion, <coughs> sure. you know, because it's part of the culture and a lot of it makes sense mm-hmm. to me. But there's a lot of that religion that makes sense when I look at other main religions like mm-hmm. Christianity and Judaism, you yeah. know. So I don't say I'm practicing, but I do believe mm-hmm. in, in the religion, just like. Uh, I believe in Christianity and Judaism. As a Muslim, we're, we're kind of required to believe sure. in the Abrahamic religions. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of it would be a, a big hypocrisy if you say I believe in Islam and not the other two because they, you know, they're Abrahamic religions. So, right. but um, no, I'm not practicing. I uh, I do stuff with my family when I'm home because mm-hmm. it's out of respect. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. a culture thing again, yeah. out of respect yeah. for the elders. But I, on my own time, nah, you know. I talk to God when I need to. I do, I do it my way. As you know it should what I mean? be. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. Uh, uh, yeah. I make it make sense to me, basically. Sure. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's where we're from, man. I uh, my family's from there, from Kabul, from the capital. Mm-hmm. Uh, came here when I was little, about three years old, back in back in '81, I believe, is when we moved to the states. Oh wow. Mm, right um, I was about three. My sister was like one, maybe. You know, uh, we were gonna leave Afghanistan anyway, but mm-hmm. we left. What expedited that process was my my dad got killed fighting the Russians. Oh shit! So mm-hmm. you, you guys remember? Yeah, was in the military. Was like the, yeah, yeah. Oh, he was a okay. uh, he was a first lieutenant in the military. Okay. Um, my father, his dad, my grandfather, his father was a, a Fulbright colonel. Oh, wow. mm. And so when they, when when the Russians invaded back mm-hmm. in '79. You know, there's a lot of corruption in the Afghan military and mm-hmm. also Afghan politics because there was the Afghan Communist mm-hmm. Party. You know, if you guys mm-hmm. know the history of that, basically they invited the Russians in, you right. know. Right. Um, so a lot of people went AWOL from the military and joined the Mujahideen, the freedom fighters mm-hmm. back then, who they were called, you know, and they fought the Russians that way. Mm-hmm. Well, he, you know, he got killed during one of those battles or whatever, one of those firefights, and then we were like, we got to get the hell out of here. Yeah. So, so we left in 81, and then we came here to the States. Uh, I grew up in uh lincoln nebraska no shit yeah yeah <laughs> my uh what took us there was my oldest uncle was a foreign exchange student oh, okay mm. and so he went to college there and then he was like well it's a good place come here right yeah. so we came there uh, i grew up there man went to high school college and after college you know i joined the marine corps I wanted mm. to join the Marine Corps before college. My mom was about to disown me. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, her, her thing was like, go to college and then do whatever you want. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I went to college and then, you know, I joined the Marine Corps after that. Mm. Uh, I did about five years in the Marine Corps as an infantry guy, mm-hmm. 0311. You know, I went to uh, the invasion of Iraq um, as a team leader, as a fire team leader. And then, you know, by the time Fallujah came around in 04, you know, I was a squad leader. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, went to, so we did that whole thing, man. That was an intense, uh, intense I deployment. Mm-hmm. I bet. Uh, 
you know, it, I mean, it was intense, man, but it shaped, it shaped who I am today. Mm -hmm. You know, that deployment really kind of shaped my outlook on life, mm -hmm. the military, a lot of things, you know, mm -hmm. it kind of, it took me, it, it got me thinking about what I want to do with the rest of my career. If mm -hmm. I want to make it a career, you know, mm -hmm. my whole goal was really just to join the, join the military for a few years mm -hmm. and then get out, you know, and like do something else. But yeah. I learned early on that I was, I liked it. Yeah. I liked being an infantry guy in the Marine Corps. I was good at it. And so I, you know, I stuck around. Uh, but by the time I left, by the time we left Fallujah and, I, and you know, by the time I got out, I had two choices, re-up, mm -hmm. re-enlist and go be a infantry school instructor mm -hmm. for the new guys or, or get out, mm -hmm. you know. And so How long were you in the military? So I'm 19 years now ongoing. Wow. Um, You're still active? No, no, I'm, I'm National Guard now. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, but I mean, uh, kinda, technically I hit 20. So technically I'll hit 20 years next November. Wow. That's a yeah, long yeah. time. That's a, long, yeah, a lot of stories, bro. Yeah, man. So, um, but you know, this, I left the Marine Corps because I wanted to do something bigger mm -hmm. and better. You know, mm -hmm. MARSOC was just a rumor back then. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, either, it was either recon or force recon. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to honestly try out for either one of those. <laughs> I wanted to do something bigger and better. I knew, I knew that, you know, Green Berets and Navy SEALs got a mm -hmm. bigger piece of the pie when it comes to missions, sure. bigger mm -hmm. scope of work. Sure. But I knew that Green Berets were like the all around jack of all mm -hmm. trades. Mm -hmm. SEALs have their missions and their and their mission sets, uh, but it doesn't match what Green Berets do. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so, and then again, MARSOC was non-existent. I wasn't going to wait around. Yeah. So I got out, um, and then I went, you know, into the army, mm -hmm. joined up, and as a as an infantryman, actually. No shit. They had a they had an eighteen X-ray program, which is like basically your fast track to being SF mm -hmm. Special Forces. But I didn't take that. Uh, you know, how I old were you when you joined the army? Because you went, you said you went to the Marines, right? Yeah, and then you re-upped in the army. Yeah, yeah, I re-upped. I re-upped. So I, I, I didn't re-up into the army. I got out. I got an honorable discharge out of the okay. Marine Corps, okay. and then I enlisted into the army. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. So, gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so I enlisted, but I, I guess I re-upped in the military. You know what <laughs> what <I mean? laughs> do a lot, now, do a lot of people do that? They switch branches like that. You know, I didn't know until I got into the army, man. I met a lot of Marine Corps dudes uh -huh. in the oh, army. No way. Yeah. yeah, and especially okay. when I went to when I got in selection for SF, yeah. and then we went to the Q course, the qualification yeah. course in Fort Bragg. There was they they would let the Marines still wear their combat patches. You know, mm. the Marine Corps we don't have patches. Uh, you know, but like in the army they have patches. Right. Combat in the in your like your, your unit on your left, right. right? Right. So I saw all these dudes with like second mar second Marine division, first Marine division patches on their right shoulders. I, yo, I was like, what? What is that? <laughs> I, was like, I mean, I know what that is, but yeah, why are yeah. you wearing it? Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, I was in the Marine Corps. I was like, yeah. oh, dope. Gotcha. So then I, I threw mine on. I went gotcha. and got one. I threw mine on. You That's know. cool. So it was like a little club that you guys were. I mean, yeah. it, it was, man. I mean, it was like a little bit of, you know, like a head nod. Like, yeah, what's up, yeah. Dude? You I know? see you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but um, but I was I was 26. Oh, you were young, man. I was 20, 25 or 26. You were super young. Yeah. So you joined the Marines when you were 18. I joined the Marines when I was uh, tw 20. 20, okay, 20, yeah. 26, Marines, okay, Army. Cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So then I, and then I joined the Army when I was, I think it was 25 or 26 mm -hmm. uh, when I joined the Army. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we went to selection, you know, went to the Q course, graduated. I got wow. I got my Green Beret, got assigned to fifth group. Yeah. And then I spent my entire time at fifth group, man. And then, well, you know, I shouldn't, I left fifth group uh, a couple years ago, and mm -hmm. then I got assigned to uh, 19th group, mm -hmm. which is <clears throat> the National Guard SF mm -hmm. unit. And they have a company here in Los Alamitos, not mm -hmm. too far away from here. Uh, so that's who I'm with, man, and, and that's who I do my time with. You know, when I got there, uh, they didn't really require much of me. Mm -hmm. uh, at first, they wanted to promote me to Master Sergeant and have me take a team, but I told them, I was like, dude, I got 
I got, I'm deployed out. I'm schooled out. Like, I just want to chill out <laughs> and write out my time, you know, to retire. And yeah. I'll help out wherever I can. Yeah. You know, these are my specialties. This is what I can do. Yeah. But I don't want to take a team that's not going to be really fair to anybody, yeah. you know. Yeah. I got too much stuff going on, man. Yeah. So, but that's who I'm with, man. And, uh, uh, you know, I like I said, when they need me, I go in mm-hmm. there and I help out with mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, when this whole writing thing happened, we got activated for about mm. two weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then so we, you know, we went and did some stuff and then yeah. we, we got back. But, yeah. but that was, uh, but that's the, that's kind of like the military side of things. Um, I got married early on, man. I think I got, we got, I got married right before I joined the Marine Corps. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so we were married <laughs> for a long time. Dang. And then uh, we had two boys early on. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those boys are 15 and 13 now. No way. And then uh, later on, we had two girls. Uh, those girls are <laughs> six and five. Whipping them out, man. <laughs> I know. I mean, like, yeah, man, we always, she always wanted four. And I was like, you know, I came from a big family. Mm-hmm. You know, I had like six uncles on one side and four wow. aunts. And, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I like that, man, because it's, like, it's family. When you grow up in that large family dynamic, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, there's so sure. much love, so much support. Mm-hmm. You know sure. what I mean? And I loved it growing up. And I was sure. like, that's what I want for my kids, you know? <laughs> yeah. and so, and, and then, you know, that's how it is, man. Yeah. But, you know, so we, we were married a long time and then. All the time that I was in Special Forces, it took me away. Like my first five years in Special Forces, I was probably mm-hmm. home two months out of the year. Wow. You know, between deployments and schools, you're, you're just gone, man. Yeah. You know, that's why they say in Special Operations, the the, the divorce rate is so high. Mm-hmm. You know. You're just and never there. You're just never home, yeah. man. And in our case, we just kind of grew apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't just grow apart, but it, I mean, it was my fault. Mm-hmm. Like I take full responsibility for it. And that's mm-hmm. because... When I was when I would when I would come home, I didn't know how to turn that switch off. Gotcha. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Because like you're either constantly deployed or in school, so mm-hmm. you're always in that mindset of like, you know, go go go, and mm-hmm. you got you're in that work mode, and so when you come home, it's very hard for some dudes to switch that off. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and that takes a toll, man. It mm-hmm. takes a toll on your marriage. Mm-hmm. It takes a toll on your kids. It takes a toll on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, so different guys deal with it in different ways, man. Yeah. You either find healthy outlets or yeah. you find not so healthy outlets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Seems like um, you're one of the few that was able to find not just a healthy outlet, but a responsible outlet. Cause to me, visually you look great. You know, you're still training. Yeah. Thanks you're, man. Yeah. You, you still, uh, your mindset's still there. A lot of people suffer from PTSD. I mean, rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. They just don't know how to deal with it. You know? Yeah. PTSD is tough, man. It's even tougher when you're in special forces because you work so hard to get to that varsity yeah. team, you yeah. know? I mean, you're in selection. When you go to selection, you're one of out of a hundred or four hundred guys. Right. So you're competing for probably a hundred spots mm-hmm. with wow. four hundred dudes. Now Tell me what that's like though. Selection. That's so interesting. Yeah, selection. Like uh, how, do you, how selection. do you get to selections and then how do you get chosen? So selection is easy to get to. You just have to put in you just have to go to the sign up. to the SF recruiter or whoever and say, mm-hmm. Hey, I wanna sign up to go gotcha. to selection. And gotcha. they, they so you may sign a volunteer statement, then you take that statement back to your unit, you give uh, it to them and they have to excuse you for the when gotcha. you when you go. So gotcha. wherever you come from, you don't have to be an infantry guy, you can be a mechanic, you could be like water purification, no you know, shit. public to everybody. <laughs> You can be anybody, but they give everybody an equal opportunity. Like you yeah. want to be a Green Beret, yeah. it, your background doesn't matter because wow. when you do make it past election, you spend two to two and a half years getting trained up to be a Green Beret. Right. You know what I mean? So that's why your prior experience doesn't really matter. Yeah. However, prior experience <laughs> is good because you bring that maturity, you bring that, mm-hmm. that real life experience with you. Mm-hmm. And that mindset is a little bit better off than people that are coming off the street. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
But selection is, uh, so when you get to selection, you have to actually hike into selection or what we call hump into selection, you know. So it's Seven. about an eight-mile hump. Oh, shit. Eight-mile <laughs> hike, you know, for civilians, for military people, eight-mile hump into selection with about 70 pounds on your wow. back. Wow. That's crazy. Uh, so you got to well, it's it's <laughs> not no, it's not an uphill. It's kind of like North Carolina is full of hills. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And a lot of the roads are not dirt; it's sand. Oh you know man! I mean? Yeah. So it's just heavy. It takes twice as long. So yeah. it it, it, it can too. kick your ass. Yeah. But I mean, granted, there's a lot of dirt roads, yeah. but like there's parts of selection, the area of this where selection yeah. is held, where it's just yeah. sandy, man. It's grueling. Mm. But you get there, you show with five or four hundred dudes. The sergeant major there gives mm-hmm. everybody a welcome brief. You know, <laughs> they tell you like, "Hey, you know, you're here at selection for the next 24 days. Gotcha. Uh, you're gonna go through a series of of physical activities. Mm-hmm. Most of them are all individual effort, mm-hmm. and that means like, I can't talk to you. Mm-hmm. I can't talk to you. You can't help me. I can't help mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. because later the last week of selection called Team Week is when we're, they put us all together, mm-hmm. and you put in like little 12 to 15 man teams. Gotcha. And you do all the team events. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. But for the first two weeks. Uh, it's all individual effort. Gotcha. So, and you're timed, and it's scored, and you're assessed, and they mm-hmm. don't tell you what the times are. They don't tell you like if you're doing well, mm-hmm. if you suck. Yeah. You know, uh, if you if you that's try to if you try to cut corners, mm-hmm. that's frustrating. <laughs> oh yeah, because you just don't know. Like, am I gonna make it? Am I gonna make it? Like, yeah, you know? man. So yeah. I mean, you just go as fast as you yeah. can. You try as hard as you can. Yeah. You know, but uh, they just don't tell you. They just mm-hmm. assess you the whole time. Now, if you're trying to cut corners or cheat, yeah, mm-hmm. they call you out. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, and that's a big ding. You yeah. know. But you get there, and like the first, I would say the first forty-eight mm. hours is complete shock and all. Mm. I mean, they they hit you with like four hours of log PT. You're picking up like an eight nine hundred pound log with like eight nine other dudes, and you're doing like bicep curls. And you're going shoulder to shoulder. Oh yeah. You're doing, you're doing squats, and then in between they make you put it down. You're doing flutter kicks and push ups yeah. and like. You're, you're you're doing that for four hours. Do they make you Jesus. do like lunges or anything too, or what? I mean, they All make you do anything you can do with a log. <laughs> wow! Right? And so they come around and they like look at dudes that are like not putting their you sure. know pushing their yeah. weight. You know, yeah. they're not mm-hmm. doing their yeah. their part, and like they they call them out. You know, and like dudes are just like some dudes are throwing up and like you can't throw up in the pit and if you throw yeah. up in the pit they tell you to pick it up and put in your pocket ah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's some savage shit right there you know there. like you can't spit oh, like you man. know you gotta like run out of the pit to throw up and then yeah. come back yeah. and then once you're done with like the four hours of log PT they hit you with four hours of rifle PT mm. so then you run out to this field and then that the group that's in the field comes to the log PT pit and you run and you switch so you're like 200 dudes in this field with like these big rubber mm. dummy rifles mm. you know the, the rubber replicas and you're just sitting there doing like like squats and you're lifting yeah. this rifle yeah, up yeah. and down and like you're doing that for four Damn. hours road in the hot sun. Oh. And, you know, it's just a, it's just one event after another. Yeah. You know, and so it's the first forty eight hours is straight up shock and all, man. Mm. Uh, wow. and a lot of dudes drop out. Wow. And the thing with selection is if you if you voluntarily withdraw, yeah. if you say I'm done, yeah. they'll ask you three times, Are you yeah. voluntarily withdrawing? And yeah. you say yes three times, they say, Cool, go. You know, and you're done. Get a freaking hot shower, hot bed, hot shower. <laughs> like, you're good, man. But you go back to your unit, you know, with your you're head down, guy. like, yeah. hey, I quit. Yeah. And then the other thing is if you quit, you can never come back. Has there been instances where the guy doesn't quit, but he's just not doing good, man? Like, the people, the officers know, like, oh, um, this guy's going to get real hurt or whatever. You know what I mean? And they're yeah. like, yo, bro, you got to go. They don't, they can't force you to leave. Uh, so you either quit or you get hurt. 
or you make it all the way past the 24 days yeah and then you not you get non-selected mm. oh damn you know, oh, so, oh so, that's the worst bro go yeah man so like you know going through all that we went through the whole 24 days i think 140 of us finished mm. out of the 140 uh i think like 110 of us got selected mm. and the damn. other 30 got non-selected mm. you know but they were told if you get non-selected or if you get injured, you can always come back. And yeah. the, the thing about getting non-selected is they tell you like, hey, man, work on your land nav, work mm-hmm. on your PT, mm-hmm. work on this gotcha. and come back in six months, gotcha. try again, gotcha. you know, which is cool. Yeah. Because uh, some guys, they don't, man. They don't, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't prepare physically for, mm-hmm. you know, selection before mm-hmm. they come mm-hmm. or they don't brush up on their land navigation with mm-hmm. map reading and, and compasses and mm-hmm. plotting. They don't, maybe it's just their attitude or their mm-hmm. mindset, mm-hmm. you know, and they tell you like, hey, work on this, come back. But uh, we got 110 of us got selected. And then what happens after selection is they they bundle you with another selection class. Mm-hmm. So you got roughly about 200 to 200, maybe, maybe 50 people. I forget mm-hmm. like our qualification course, our Q course group, I think we were right over 200. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go through like two to two and a half years, depending mm-hmm. on what job you pick. Like if you're a, if you're a weapons guy, combo guy, um, or uh, an engineer, mm-hmm. it's about two years. If you're a medic, it's two and a half years because they make you do three or two three month rotationals mm-hmm. at hospitals, mm-hmm. and you're sitting there treating trauma wounds, shotguns, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, so it's a little bit longer for medics, but in those in those two years. Uh, there's a lot of phases that you have to pass mm-hmm. and you get one recycle, you know? So there's a lot of tests, a lot of gates, a lot of like evaluations, a lot of peer evaluations, mm-hmm. like your own dudes are peering you mm-hmm. like, Hey, this guy is good. He's not, you know? And so, and then there are some academic failures, uh, but there's also some physical dropouts, you know, just, just people that quit, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and like, but most of them just don't make it, man. You know, you get that one recycle and they can't do it or whatever. By the time we graduated two years later, our class, we were 37 dudes. No way. Yeah. So if you look, look if you look at the big picture, it's 37 dudes were Green Berets out of 800. Mm-hmm. You know? That's and they put you through that rigorous training because they want to make sure that you're physically and mentally ready for battle, right? In any given time, anywhere. The, you know, they take like this, this full spectrum soldier aspect, mm-hmm. like this concept, mm-hmm. you know, that's how they look at it. Mm-hmm. And... They, I mean, obviously, being physical, physical fit, uh, mm. physically fit is good. You yeah. know, being yeah. mature in age mm-hmm. and life experience is good. Mm-hmm. But they really want somebody who has a good attitude, who's coachable, who wants to learn, who's humble. I love that. You know, that's yeah. what they want because love if you're that. that type of person, yeah. just like on the range when I sure. teach, sure. if you're that type of person coming into my class. Mm-hmm you were going to leave that class with so much more Absolutely. than the person that comes in thinking like, oh, dude, I, I know how to shoot. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to listen to Kawa. Yeah. You know, you're going to be so much better. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's what they're looking for. They're looking yeah. for that kind of dude that's just yeah. like a sponge and he'll soak it up and yeah. he's humble and he's a great man and he yeah. has a good head on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. He just, you know, and he's not going to step on his dick and get in trouble. <laughs> <you know>? So <laughs> Throwing in some jokes. I like that. <laughs> you know, but like that's what they're looking for, man. Yeah. If, uh, if you're that kind of guy, then you're – far better off yeah, than yeah. you know and there is there's dude all kinds of people come to selection from all different yeah. walks of life with all yeah. kinds of mindsets and attitudes i mean mm-hmm. i saw i saw the biggest strongest dudes crumble man they just yeah, didn't have the heart they didn't yeah, have the mindset and i saw like scrawny ass dudes way skinnier than i was back then just push through man just push through with it's all the heart. heart and they got selected yeah you yeah. know and he might be a tiny dude or whatever yeah. but 
you know, there is, I mean, he's, he probably, he's probably going to be a good Green Beret one yeah. day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so selection's tough. Selection's tough, man. And like my best, my, my, the best advice I was getting for selection was take it one event at a time. Mm-hmm. Take care of your feet at night before you go to bed. Mm, mm-hmm. That's a big one. You know? And, uh, how did you take care of your feet at night? So you're doing all, I mean, you are constantly, you get three hours of sleep at night. You get, you barely get any food. You get a lot of water because they don't want people, you know, yeah. to pass out or whatever. Yeah. But, yeah. but like your feet get a bunch of hot spots. You could get blisters if you don't bring comfortable <sighs> shoes. Like you don't bring new shoes or new boots to selection. You bring no. like the most broken in comfy yeah, 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 boots yeah. that you have. Yeah. But even then walking in that sand up and down terrain, you know, it, yeah. it creates hot spots. So if you notice that you have a hot spot, then you need to take some of that moleskin and apply it around that hot spot so there is no more friction. And you know, keep it, it takes, so you're putting a little bit of padding around that hot spot mm-hmm. so that there's no contact with the boot, you know what I mean? So it doesn't turn into a blister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But sometimes, you know, when you're doing something for four or five hours, it, it can easily go from hot spot to blister. You know? So if you, if you get that at night, like what I did at night, a couple of minutes before I went to bed was I would sit there and massage my feet. You know, I would obviously check it for hot spots or blisters. If I had a blister, I would I would take a needle and thread ah, and I would pop it, it through and then I would leave that thread in there overnight so it kept draining, you know. Otherwise it closes up. Yeah. You know? So I it just drains overnight and I just air my feet out. Like I would take them under the covers or out of the covers. Gotcha, gotcha. And just yeah. air them out, man. And baby gotcha. powder the fuck out of my socks, my Oof. boots and my feet and mm. massage them, you know, and just check. Yeah. And that was it. it. Took me took me five minutes. Yeah. But and then just one one event at a time, man. Uh, and then obviously, you know, be able to ruck like four, five, like well, ideally five miles with seventy pounds. So you're doing like, you know, roughly twelve minute miles, uh, and then just have like an eight minute mile run, you know. And so, I, when guys ask me like, hey, what's the what's the advice you can give me for selection? Mm-hmm. I give them those four or five things. I'm yeah. like, dude, everything else is your mindset. Mm-hmm. Just don't quit. Yeah. Don't yeah. quit. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So. Man, did you ever think to yourself at any point, like, damn, I volunteered for this shit? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, what? Yeah. what? Where am I? Oh, yeah. I chose this. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably, I mean, several times a day, every day, for those oh, 24 days, mm. I was like, what the fuck am I yeah. doing here? Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Is this what I really, like, what am yeah. I getting myself into? Am I over my head? Like, what, yeah. am I too old for this? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that goes through your mind every time you're at that point where you're just like, I can't do it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, it's amazing what your body and your mind is capable of, though, as long as you're committed. It is. It right? is. Because you said something that was really important. I say it around here all the time to my sales team, um, which is uh, as long as you don't quit, you're going to win. You know, And then winning is just a personal thing, man. It's a personal thing. That's subjective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as long as you stay in the game, you're going to make it. If you don't quit, mm-hmm. we don't have quitters around here. Yeah, you know? I mean, quitting. If you don't, if you never quit, man, you're automatically a winner. Yes. Right. Yeah. Your yes. progression of winning is on you. Right. 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 Uh, but like <clears throat> quitting, if you have that mindset, where you're just like, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then you're yeah. going to stick with that mindset for, for the rest sure. of your life. Unless sure. somebody dramatically changes your for life. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it all starts your mindset. Like you said, your body, your mind is, is a, is a crazy thing, right? Mm-hmm. Cause your mindset can lead mm-hmm. your entire body mm-hmm. or it can break your body down. Absolutely. But Absolutely. I read something interesting a long time ago from uh, an SF guy mm-hmm. that wrote a book. Uh, and he said, by the time your mind quits, mm-hmm. your body's only exhausted about 30% of its physical capability, no. you know? 
So your mind is crazy because your mind, in your mind, you're like, I can't do it. I can't mm-hmm. do it. Your body's like, bro, I got 70% I got left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we can, I got 70% I left. That. I, I like I'm going to steal you know? that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But at the same time, if your mindset is right mm-hmm. and you're like, it sucks, mm-hmm. I'm sucking right now, mm-hmm. but I'm going to push through this, mm-hmm. your body's going to follow. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if your mindset quits, then your body, of course, your body's going to follow. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, because right. your right. mind is driving the train. For sure. So yeah. that's, sure. you know, that's why I preach mindset so much, mm-hmm. man. You know, mindset, that's that's like your physical kind of don't quit mindset. Mm-hmm. But there's mindset that applies to so many aspects of our life mm-hmm. when it comes to situational awareness, when mm-hmm. it comes to training on a range, mm-hmm. when it comes to the stuff you guys do here. Mm-hmm. You know, any kind of technical skill or tradecraft, mm-hmm. it applies to everything. That's yeah. why I'm such, I preach mindset so much, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's that's what it is. And the guys that come in there with the right mindset are the ones that probably yeah. will get selected. Mm. You know? I mean, just hearing, t- just hearing you speak, it's um, it's amazing to hear the, all the things that you went to in the military. And then I start to think, because I met you, um, before I met you, I already knew of you. Because anybody in the 2A community knows who Kawa is, kind of, basically. Yeah. And um, it's funny because when I met you, um, it, it was the first CQB class. Oh my God, dude! That class <clears throat> is is so humbling in the sense where, like, everything you think you knew, like when you do CQB, you're a child again. Not <laughs> even below. If there was a level below a child, that's yeah. what you're at. Mm. Because everything that you taught in that course was just didn't even think about. Didn't yeah. even think about. Yeah. So where I'm going with this is like you know, hearing to, hearing you speak about all these different trainings that you had and, and, and you know partial the partial career that you're sharing with us in your military. I can only imagine like what you think of when you teach guys like us, you know, in 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 these two one or two day classes, you know. <laughs> I'm not man. I'm not one of those guys that, as we call it in the military, like a tap protector. Yeah. You know, in SF yeah. we say, you know, there's some guys that are tap protectors. Yeah. They're like they're the ones that say, well, you know, I don't want this dude being a green beret because you know he sucks <laughs> or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I'm I'm more. I've always been like an empowering guy, mm-hmm. man. I've always been an inspirational guy. Like mm-hmm. when I talk to regular soldiers throughout my career and they see me with the Green Beret or that special mm-hmm. forces on my shoulder, mm-hmm. they automatically just give me a lot of respect sure. and they, they look up to me yeah. just, just from those two visuals, yeah. Yeah. you know? But then when they come up to me, you know, some of them are nervous. Mm-hmm. They, they feel like they can't approach a Green Beret. Mm-hmm. But like the ones that do and they, they ask questions, I tell them, I don't even know them, man. Like mm-hmm. I don't know if they're a shitbag mm-hmm. or if they're a stellar soldier mm-hmm. or whoever. Yeah. But I'm like, dude, go to selection. Go, go to selection, better yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what you do. I don't know your record, your reputation, mm-hmm. but go do something better than what you're doing. Right. You know, and I say that to, and I take that same mindset and approach to my students who are mm-hmm. civilians, who are cops, who mm-hmm. are whoever, prior mm-hmm. military. Same approach, man, like for my classes. Mm-hmm. That CQB class that you came to yeah. those two days, yeah. is that something a civilian can really use? Not really. Uh, it totally depends. <laughs> not, not really in their daily yeah. life. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But if the shit hits the fan, yeah. and, you know, every kind of dude in the 2A community has their little squad, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. We have our guys that we like yeah. to train with. Yeah. And, like, if you, you know, if the shit hit the fan and you guys linked up, yeah, yeah. you can definitely apply that, mm-hmm. you know? You can do it to an active shooter mm-hmm. situation or, or whatever situation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the chances of you having to use that are the same chances of you having to draw your gun mm-hmm. and shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. 
So I shouldn't be the one that says that dictates what you are allowed to learn, mm-hmm. you know. And if I had that mindset, I wouldn't be putting these classes on in the first place. Yeah. But I think that there's a lot of value when it comes to CQB. CQB is a monster, right? I mean, it is a monster. People, what, is, what is CQB? Close, close quarter battle. Yeah, okay. close quarter battle. Educate me, sorry. <laughs> Some people say CQC, which is close quarter combat. Um, they're kind of different, but kind of the same. Okay. All right. Um, but CQB is a monster, man. Like do, room clearing, you know, yeah, being man. able to clear this floor. That It, it takes years mm-hmm. to learn. It takes mm-hmm. y- even more years mm-hmm. to like master, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not by far a CQB master. Mm-hmm. You know, I will make mistakes for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. But... But I, but I think that uh, when people come to this class and within the first few hours, oh, they're man, like, it's so humbling. Mm. It's kind of like, you know, you were asking me, like, did you have that moment where you're like, where did mm-hmm. I get myself into? Mm-hmm. A lot of people have that moment, yeah. you know, even on day two, man, mm-hmm. when, th- when we ramp up stuff mm-hmm. and we start throwing off forward in those lanes, mm-hmm. you know, like they're like, oh, shit. I, I just kept thinking, like, if this was for real, I'd be dead. Mm. It's crazy. I, I mean, seriously, bro. CQB is one of those skill sets where <clears throat> the good guys always have the disadvantage. Because mm-hmm. if you think about it, we're going to somebody's house. We're mm-hmm. going to somebody's backyard. Mm-hmm. We're going into a building that the bad guys know the layout of. Cool. They know the nooks and the crannies, and they know where the good spots and bad spots, you know, the, mm-hmm. this, the vantage points versus the disadvantage points. We're going in there for the first time, getting yeah. eyes on for the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we just got to fall back on our foundational principles mm-hmm. of how we would take stuff down, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. But the bad guys are always going to have the one up, man. They know those little nooks and corners mm-hmm. where they can stick a barrel out and shoot people. Mm-hmm. So we're always at a disadvantage. In a, in a real CQB environment, it's very hard to say that everyone was going to come out of there unscathed. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're going to get at least one dude shot. I remember you saying that. You know, I remember uh, you saying that. If yeah. not, if not worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. and but like you're but the thing is that everybody knows what their job should be mm-hmm. you know we try to in a cqb stack everybody should be on the same level of operational mm-hmm. uh, uh comprehension mm-hmm. and execution mm-hmm. and so if everybody's there then regardless of if the one man goes down yeah you know or the two man goes down everybody else is going to go and fill that gap real mm-hmm. quick mm-hmm. you know and so we're going to take those bad dudes out yeah but it comes at a cost yeah. you know it's yeah. not like a normal firefight on the street or in a desert mm-hmm. where we can like have wider you know we yeah. have a lot more room to maneuver and yeah. we can flank and we can do like mm-hmm. infantry style tactics you know mm-hmm. we can call for support or, or mm-hmm. air support or whatever it's different yeah it's yeah. different man um but i love it you know <laughs> but i love it man like you know when i was teaching at safawik in fifth group and uh safawik stands for special forces advanced urban combat there's a that's a course mm-hmm. that green berets go to mm-hmm. i would say that it's probably the second highest tier course in the army for wow. shooting and tactics. Wow. And the first one is at Fort Bragg. Um, and so when people come to that course, they, you know, they uh, they get two weeks of flat range, which is live mm-hmm. fire, uh, live fire on the flat range, mm-hmm. you know, pistol, rifle, mm-hmm. advanced pistol, rifle, low light stuff. Mm-hmm. And then we spend about two weeks in the house doing CQB. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we start with live rounds because we go very slow at a, like a infant's pace. I mean, yeah. even though they're green berets, we teach, we, we teach them at the same levels, mm-hmm. kind of we taught, you know, CQB when you mm-hmm. came through, Charles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it's very slow, mm-hmm. very, like, very deliberate. 
And then when they ramp up and they kind of get comfortable with it and they we can see some team cohesion and chemistry and they're mm-hmm. working together, we take away their live fire barrels and we give them blue barrels, we give them sim barrels. Mm. Because now we know they're going a little bit faster. We have mm-hmm. less control. The leash is a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. You know, we let them go. Yeah. And so we don't want to create a training accident. Right, right, So right, we give them right. blue barrels. And then we introduce all four. So we put bad guys in there in their lanes to shoot mm-hmm. back. And, mm-hmm. like, it's all, you know, it's a, it's a culmination of trying to get to a place where they – uh, <laughs> they can become good. I remember when you did that when you put the bad guys in in the in the rooms, and the only thing I can think of like when I was getting shot at, I was like, oh shit, man! I think all the training that I learned that day went out the window. I was like, oh, it's just me. <laughs> like it's every man for himself right now. <laughs> yeah. Because even though we're shooting like you know airsoft BBs, mm-hmm. it just gives you that feeling though, like yeah, the anxiety yeah. going through that door. Like who's this dude? Where is he at? Where's he? You know what I mean? It's just it, yeah, it's crazy, man. Yeah, it, it is crazy, man. And that's and like when you're when you're on the when you're on the the good guy side, mm-hmm. you know, when you're the good dude, like uh, at least you know, like okay, I have other assaulters with me. Yeah. Like they yeah. have my back. You know, <laughs> yeah. we talk about opposing threats. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got that angle covered, so yeah. I don't have to worry about it. I got yeah. this angle covered. You got yeah. each other's back. Yeah. You know. And so, but even so, knowing in knowing that you're going through this lane and mm-hmm. there's three, four bad dudes, you're just like, oh. It, shit gets real, right? It gets yeah. real. It gets real. It gets real, for real sure. quick. For sure. You know, and then we see people just mm-hmm. brain dump stuff. Mm-hmm. And they don't brain dump it because they don't they can't retain it. They <clears throat> brain dump it because they're overwhelmed. Yeah, exactly. Overwhelmed. They're in they're completely out of their comfort yeah. zone. You know, we put mm-hmm. them in this, in this environment, we're just like, go. Mm-hmm. You know? And so they're just like, Oh my God. Mm-hmm. But it's cool because when one person has a brain fart, he looks around really quick <laughs> and he sees his other buddies doing yeah. stuff and he's like, Okay, I got it. I'm gonna yeah. get back into my right. you know what I mean? So right. he kinda like picks up where he kind of dropped off. Right, yeah. Right, right. Now, did I did I make you out four that day? Oh Wait, yeah, yeah, did, yeah. You did a turn? Yeah, you did. So then yeah. as out four, yeah. you you know, you can see how you have a freedom of movement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have any you mm-hmm. don't have any like tact you not mm-hmm. not really any tactics like you don't play by the rules. Yeah. Yeah. So you can like I obviously, I mean I tell you guys, "Hey, go here and do mm-hmm. this and then go there and do that." Yeah. And I cuz I want you to stress, you yeah. know, the assaulters yeah. out. But as a bad guy, you have freedom of movement, For no sure. rules. You can do whatever you want. For sure. For but sure. then when you think about it, you're like, "Holy shit! I got 14 dudes coming at mm-hmm. me right now. <laughs> it's scary." That 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 was. So the first two guys came to the door. You know, I'd, I'd fire at them, but then it would just be a swarm of dudes, and then you get that feeling like, "Oh shit, dude! You're trying to make yourself as small as possible." You know. And of course, I get tagged, but at the same time, I mean, it, it puts you in a mindset too of like, "Man, if this was real, I'd be dead for sure." Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, another thing, too, is um, uh, the reason why I wanted you here, too, is because um, I didn't realize how good of a trainer you were until the last course, which is the low light. Very, I've taken a lot of classes with a lot of people. Um, your instructions were easy to, easy to understand but applicable, too. So mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I want Cali to come here and talk about how, you know, all the things he's been through and all that stuff. But on top of that, you know, I wanted to showcase – all this knowledge that you've gained through the military, <clears throat> and this is not a trick question, by the way. I, I always think to myself, like, why aren't why aren't law enforcement m- more willing or able, or I don't know what el- other word I can put, but force themselves to train like how I don't know. I guess I'm a civilian. How civilians train, you know, because they they have access to people like you, um, but more or less. You know there are law enforcement in our in our groups from time to time. Yeah. Um, but I just can't help to think like, why wouldn't they want them to con- themselves to progress and continue their training throughout their career? 
that just continue yeah. to elevate. Because I, I mean, yeah. Before you answer that question, the reason why I say it is because, again, they have people like you that are very capable to train. But from what I've understood, you know, the the people in the police academy, they go to the academy, they get selected into a police department, and then I don't know, they really actively train or even let alone shoot. Yeah, you know, so. I'm gonna preface this with, uh, <clears throat> I'm not law enforcement and I've never been law mm-hmm. enforcement. And I don't know all the incri- in- mm-hmm. intricate details of the law enforcement hierarchy or, or their structure or mm-hmm. where, like, where their budget allocations are. Right. But, you know, when we think about LAPD, yeah. LAPD is a huge organization. Huge. Right? Huge. And like, obviously, obviously you have LAPD Beverly Hills and mm-hmm. you have LAPD Torrance. And, sure. LA- and like, even though they say it's Torrance PD, I mean, yeah. Or Beverly Hills PD, right. it's still it's still pretty much LAPD. LAPD, yeah. But they do have different pots of money. You know what I mean? Like Torrance has their own pot of money because it's a city, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 Beverly Hills is a city, mm-hmm. so they have their own pot of money. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to budget, a lot of from what I've gathered from all the law enforcement people that I've trained and talked to is that their budget doesn't allow for it. They can't. They don't have enough money. For example, LAPD I think has nine thousand officers. Wow. LAPD, right? Just LAPD, not Torrance, not Beverly Hills, just LA proper, LAPD. I think has 9,000 officers. Yeah. To, so in my, in my head, when I think about that, I don't know how much money LAPD has. I'm, I'm assuming they have a lot. Mm-hmm. But how, like, w- how much money do you need to proficiently and, and, and on, a, on, a, on a level of maintenance train 9,000 officers and keep them trained? You know what I mean? Right. And how do you I don't, standardize and, that? And then, yeah, how do you standardize that? And 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 how do you uh, how do you make time for that? Like, mm-hmm. wh- I don't know the structure, right? Because sure. I don't know what kind of hours they work. Sure. I think they they work like four on, three off, or yeah. five on, two yeah. off. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah. But and the dudes that uh, you know, the dudes that have probably have a little more flexibility there is like they're SWAT guys. Yeah. You know, they're special tactics guys. Yeah, yeah. But as an LAPD officer, uh, I'm pretty sure you have shitty hours for one, <laughs> yeah. right? But then you work a lot of hours. Yeah. And then when you are off, mm-hmm. do you really want to like go to a range and train if you're That's already living true. that life, you know, and you've done that, you, mm-hmm. you work, I don't know, 30, 40 hour shifts or whatever, mm-hmm. and you finally get a day off, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough, man. You mm-hmm. just want to do your thing. Yeah. But <coughs> when you are at work, I think that the requirement is they get like one range day a month or maybe wow. a couple range days a month. Right. And even when they get that range day, they, they just, they just do a call. Right. Or they recall like right. pistol. Yeah. That's like maybe fifty rounds. Yeah, it's nothing. That's nothing, man. It's nothing. But they're so what they're doing in my mind is they are they are catering to the lowest denominator mm-hmm. and they are checking that lowest level box Absolutely. that they can. Absolutely. Because I don't know if they're doing it because they don't want to mm-hmm. spend the money to train their guys, mm-hmm. or I don't know if they're doing it because they don't have the money mm-hmm. to train their guys. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas LAPD SWAT, when they go to the range and I go to the range with those guys, they come out with thousands and thousands of rounds, mm-hmm. man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like, and we have rounds left over yeah, when yeah, the yeah. Then the day is done, and we yeah. shoot a lot. Yeah, mm. you know, yeah. but they have that flexibility because they're yeah. special tactics, right? Yeah. And their pot of money is maybe a little bit different, right. or maybe they have an extra pot of money. Who knows? Right. Right. So, I think for cops, and I think generally speaking around mm. the around the U.S. around this country, is that that's kind of like the the pretty much like the theme for yeah. police officers. Yeah. Now there are some smaller PDs. There are some sheriff's departments and sheriff's departments are always going to be a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I don't know what their pot of money is or what their budget mm-hmm. is. Um, but I know that, I know that the guys that take their, take that aspect of their job, the shooting skill, whatever, 
just just let's talk about firearms for a second. Mm-hmm. I think those guys they do spend their days off on the range. Mm-hmm. They do make the most out of their range days for mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. I know when I go up to Mike Mike's place, mm-hmm. knockout lights, yeah. and we have SWAT dudes coming up there all the time. They train with us. And I, I talk to those guys all the time. I talk to LAPD SWAT all the time. Mm-hmm. I talk to Torrance PD a lot when I was in Torrance. And a lot of them take pride in just that aspect mm-hmm. of the job. They're like, I don't, I carry this gun, but I want to get good with it. Mm-hmm. And I know that 100 rounds a month doesn't do shit yeah, for me. Yeah, doesn't do that. So they go buy money or they go buy ammo out of their own pocket and they go to a range whenever they can mm-hmm. and they train, you know, and, and uh, ever since I came to L.A., I've been doing more and more range days with officers mm-hmm. like and I don't and I'm not charging these guys, you know, oh, so wow. like I'm doing uh, I'm doing like free range days. Mm-hmm. And recently um, you guys know who Mike Glover is at Fieldcraft. Mm-hmm. I've heard Fieldcraft Revival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good dude, man. SF guy, longtime SF guy. But, you know, he's a really good person in our, in our community, yeah. like a real stand up guy. Right. Um, and you know, he's been doing free training for law enforcement guys mm-hmm. for a long time. And now he's trying to get a lot of us involved too. That's, a, that's And that's so dope. what he's trying to do is he's trying <coughs> to raise money to get us paid mm-hmm. to, to teach these guys for free. So it's not coming mm-hmm. out of their budget, out, uh, of, their, out of their pockets. Mm-hmm. But you know, I told Mike, I was like, dude, you don't, you don't got to raise money to pay me, man. I'll just go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, like a day out of my time to go train on the range with these guys mm-hmm. or just go train them up on some stuff. is not a lot. Mm-hmm. Plus when I'm on the range, I don't feel like I'm working anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm just out there with the boys teaching and, and shooting and yeah. having a yeah. good time. So uh, that's what we're trying to do, man. But, like, I think to answer your question that a lot of people just look at it like, why don't they train more? You know, it's like we have to – that's, like, surface level. Mm. That's a surface level question. And you have to – if you really want to understand why Mm. these guys don't have more training, then really take a hard look. Get to know them, Mm. one. Get to know their works, their their op tempo. Yeah. But that's just fire – that's just firearms. I think that officers – uh, police officers and the police in the LEO community needs training and other stuff. Oh yeah, more than they need training and yeah. just firearms. Oh, they yeah. need training and cultural awareness. Mm-hmm. They need they need better outreach programs. Mm-hmm. You know, they need to get in touch with their community. And one town that does that so well and they're loved for it is Torrance. Mm. The Torrance, the the city of Torrance loves their police department. Mm-hmm. They love their officers. Mm-hmm. In fact, so much that every year they put a parade on for them. Oh no shit! Yeah, <laughs> every year, man. There's a parade for the Torrance PD every year. Yeah, because the Torrance PD has such a good outreach program. They're mm-hmm. always going and talking to their communities, mm-hmm. the neighborhoods, good or bad, whatever you know, ghetto or, or bougie, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. <laughs> they spend the time to go get to know those people. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's important. It's a great. Quality. And those people, regardless of race, religion, or wherever. Yeah take the time to get to know the officers yeah. and yeah. they they don't you know now they become first mm-hmm. name basis you know mm-hmm. they go to the businesses they go to the residents they talk yeah. they have outreach their outreach program is amazing mm-hmm. and i have so much respect for those guys you know and the town shows their love for these guys mm-hmm. not just by a parade but yeah. also they get so many calls i mean the city of torrens will dime each other out <laughs> it's crazy that's like one of the, one of the cops there told me that the city of torrance <clears throat> will literally dime each other out like in some towns like you'll see a crime happening or something yeah. shady you're like yeah. i'm not getting involved yeah, yeah, yeah. but in the city of torrance like they call you know it's like almost neighborhood watch man uh, they have nice. this uh, network yeah, yeah. Nice. they have this network of of normal people that are like hey this guy doesn't belong sure so yeah they, you know what it's i mean like the they work together. Yeah, yeah. as it should yeah. be as it should be as yeah. it should be and so yeah. I think so for police officers, <clears throat> there's a lot of training that needs to happen for mm-hmm. sure. You know, we look at current events and uh, there is such a, uh, a hate and discontent for yeah. police officers. But I think most of that 
is because there is because just due to ignorance. Mm-hmm. You know, people look at isolated events and they try to make it a pattern. Or right. people look at <coughs> something and they try to blanket statement that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And what happened to George Floyd and some of these <coughs> other guys are obviously tragedies. Yeah. Right? And it could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely bad cops out there. Let's let's get that straight. All right? Just like there's bad Green Berets out sure. there. Yeah, there's guys that make it. They, they fall through the cracks, man. They make it yeah. somehow. Just mm-hmm. bad apples. And they wear that uniform. They put that beret on, whatever, mm-hmm. whoever. There are bad ones out there. And mm-hmm. obviously, not being a cop and looking from an outside in, I think obviously there needs to be reform in the way they police yeah. their own. Yeah. The, the standards, for one. Mm-hmm. The and then, and then just the... Uh, uh, you know, I guess, you know, the punishments mm-hmm. or, the, or, or the standards that they hold themselves up to, not just from training, but also conduct, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. These guys are professionals. Yes, we pay them. We pay their salaries. Yes, they work for us. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean we control them. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we dictate how they should be. Right. You know, because they have a job to do. They're the ones that keep us safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but like, look oh, at Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? Minneapolis. Yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Those places where you took the cops out of there, mm-hmm. I mean, look at what's happening in Atlanta. Yeah, bro. that that that's the most ridiculous thing anybody's thought of defunding. It's the most ridiculous, most retarded thing. Not even a co- that shouldn't even be a part of the conversation. Like what you just said is pure ignorance, right? However, yeah. I think you're right, <clears throat> which is police officers are by nature our first responders. SWAT team, I feel like they have they owe it to themselves to have a higher level of proficiency because I mean that's SWAT. You're pretty badass. Sure. But SWAT doesn't show up when you call. A local police officer comes up when when you right. call, and he doesn't have, because I keep going back to people like yourself when you were in the the military were the ones that kept us safe overseas, right? So the the, the war wouldn't come here. And look at all the, the the level of training you guys went through to figure that out. I'm I guess what I was, it's frustrating because <clears throat> this defunding the police has. It has no value in any conversation. But then again. Um, the opposite is true, which is we need more funding, like you said, more funding, much more funding for our first responders. It's not just shooting. It's the mentality, like you said. Agreed. That's what it is. Agreed. And I think <laughs> that, uh, you know, I don't like it when people throw these blanket hashtags or, yeah. or, 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 I don't know, mottos or whatever you want to call yeah. them, like Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, defund the police, mm-hmm. right? Those are all stupid dude like if your goal is to for black lives matter if your goal is to bring us together mm-hmm. and you want us to take a closer look at black mm-hmm. lives then don't isolate yourselves right you know mm-hmm. and there's a lot of there's a lot of arguments there right mm-hmm. yeah and i'm not saying that I, i'm not saying that black lives matter is bad mm-hmm. but i think there's aspects and there's there's a certain men- mental aspect mm-hmm. of black lives matter that is mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. and it's dividing us more than it's uniting mm-hmm. us and when you look at defund the police it's the same thing at first when people came up with defund the police that's exactly what they meant they exactly meant take the money away from the cops. And they even went as far as saying dismantle the police, mm-hmm. disband the police. Mm-hmm. Which you know is ridiculous. What I mean? Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous. But, then, but then they see what's happening in Minneapolis, Seattle, and Atlanta, mm-hmm. and they backpedal. And they're like, no, no, no. We meant, when we said defund the police, we just meant right. take, take money out of their budget and reallocate that budget into the cities. Okay. So what you're saying is you're complaining that cops don't get enough training and they're mm-hmm. not trained enough and they, you know, uh, but at the same time, you want to take money away yeah. from them so they can train less. Yeah, you keep changing the narrative. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense, yeah. right? Yeah, and people are like, no, no, no. We want a piece. All we want is to reallocate some of those funds into mm-hmm. the cities. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
but why take it away from the cops? Why mm-hmm. take it away from the ones that are protecting you, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Even even like like you have these incidents, the isolated incidents where like innocent people are dying. George Floyd, regardless of what his background was, sure. the man died. Right, right. Mm-hmm. right. But that doesn't mean that the budget should come from the police department. Correct. There's a lot of other pots of money in a town's budget where yeah. you can pull from yeah. to put back into the community. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and there's a lot of there's a lot of organizations outside and before Black Lives Matter came that does exactly that. Mm-hmm. You know, where are those organizations? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, when when a city sits sits when a city council sits uh, sits down every quarter. And they look at their budget. They look at their expenses. They look at what's left over. Mm-hmm. They're, they're the ones that sit there and make the choices for, should we put money into schools, mm-hmm. roads, cops? Mm-hmm. Where, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like what, that's where the money should come from. But the whole defund the police thing to me is it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's mm-hmm. just a knee-jerk reaction. It is. It really you is. Know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I didn't really understand the type of lifestyle and or stress that you know law enforcement goes through until i started training with you guys and people like you guys because when you hold a gun in your hand it's obviously it's a very powerful thing you can take a life and you have to be responsible for it <clears throat> sometimes i think the people like the city council people that you talk about they don't come from that point of view no. they come from a, obviously a political point of view mm-hmm. trying to please everybody but they don't understand the stress levels that law enforcement even first responders like firefighters go through uh even teachers man Mm-hmm. I mean, teachers nowadays, they don't get paid enough. No, you know, they, want, they don't. <laughs> they, yeah. If any, not to go off track, but if anything, if this COVID thing has taught us anything, they've taught us that the school systems is a big daycare. <laughs> because yeah. now that the parents don't have anybody to watch them during the day, they can't do anything. They have to stay home and watch their kids. Right. Yeah, watch their kids. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that, this whole COVID thing is has woken us up to a lot of yeah, little man. things in our life oh, and yeah. in our society. Yeah. Uh, good and bad. Yeah. You know, like we, a lot of us learned that we can actually be as productive from home as mm-hmm. we can from the office. Absolutely. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, a lot of us, that's why these, like these video apps mm-hmm. and like, um, who is it like go to and <clears throat> excuse me, zoom. And mm-hmm. that's why their their stocks are freaking yeah, yeah. skyrocketing <laughs> yeah. because yeah. a lot of people are using it. Yeah. But on the, in the bad side, it's, it's also shown us that, um, as a society, we need that social aspect mm-hmm. of our life mm-hmm. because a lot of people that have been isolated in their homes mm-hmm. or closed because they can't go to work or they can't go, you know, uh, be a patron of that business mm-hmm. or whatever, they're seeing that, you know, that sucks. Yeah, and they're getting they're getting a taste of what it's like in third world countries yeah. where people don't have the freedom of movement. Yeah, they don't have those freedoms. Yeah, and all of a sudden people are like, oh my god. Yeah, like. But even so, they still don't, they don't, they still don't appreciate it. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, we can get into like conspiracy theories or, or whatever, like <laughs> different, uh, you know, theories of like where COVID came from or why COVID is here, you know, and this and that. But I think that uh, we're going to come out of COVID a lot stronger mm-hmm. as, a, as a society. Mm-hmm. Like people are hopefully going to realize that. Uh, you know, they should be better prepared, mm-hmm. right? Like when that whole toilet paper thing happened. <laughs> I don't even know where that started. To this day, I don't I know, know where that started, right? <laughs> but but it caused this it caused this panic of being prepared. Yeah. And like people were like, oh shit, I need canned goods. Yeah. I need water. Mm-hmm. I need essentials. I need mm-hmm. med supplies. Mm-hmm. I need this. Mm-hmm. And like I told everybody that would listen to me, like, hey, make sure you have at least two weeks of 
supplies in your yeah. house. Yeah. Because the next thing that's going to come down after a, a after a shutdown <coughs> is straight up martial law. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And if martial law is declared, no one leaves anywhere. Mm-hmm. You, you get caught outside, man. You, mm-hmm. fucking, you know what I mean? I don't yeah, know what that yeah. is. Like a, uh, it's probably at least a misdemeanor, maybe yeah. something else. But like, you might get arrested. Who knows? But like, have a two week supply of all this stuff mm-hmm. that you need. Mm-hmm. And just live your life that way, man. So hopefully people come out of this like, maybe I should put some stuff in the pantry and just keep it there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, put some extra water in the garage mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, I think so. Um, and and then obviously we saw the gun craze. Yeah, Everybody man. buying up guns and mm-hmm. ammo. Yeah. And yeah. Like, it was like 2 million guns sold in May. That's insane, yeah, It's bro. crazy, bro. That's insane. Crazy. Which is good, you know, obviously as coming from a, a two alpha, a, t- yeah. a, a two A mindset, yeah. looking at that, yeah. it's good. Yeah. Obviously we want more people to exercise that right. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, now you got two million new gun owners. <laughs> they don't know what the fuck they're doing. Or or at least maybe they had guns before, <laughs> yeah. you know, but like you have two million, if we look at it like no none of them own mm-hmm. guns, you have two million people that mm-hmm. own guns now yeah. and they need training, they yeah. need education. Mm-hmm. But that's also two million guns that can get stolen. You know what I mean? If they're yeah. not, if they're not uh, taking, you know, at. if they're not locking mm. it up, yeah. And but it seems, and the, the negative, another uh, negative aspect is, if you don't have that firearms education, if you don't have a locking device, mm-hmm. you know, your kid gets a hand on that gun. Absolutely. You, like you don't even, you're not even educated on guns. But how are you going to educate your kid on mm-hmm. guns? Mm-hmm. And he gets a hold of that because it's not locked up, and now accidents happen. It just makes us look like a shitty community. Yeah. yeah. It works against us. Yeah. So yeah. it's great that you're buying too many guns, mm-hmm. but now spend money to get the training and yeah. education behind mm-hmm. it, the safety yeah. behind yeah. it, and then you know spread that to the community. Mm-hmm. So there's pros and cons to everything, man. It's crazy. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, one of the things I think uh, the month of, I think, May, I said 2 million guns being sold. Now I feel like uh, they, they kind of understand what it's like to own a gun and, and the process, and at least in California, to buy a gun. It's just very, it's like, it's a pain in the ass, man. Bro, it's so I funny. I hope they get kicked in the butt with that. <laughs> and they're they like, oh, wait. Because I had some buddies call me and was like, yo, man, I want to get a gun. First, what should I get? And two, how can I get it? Can I get it the same day? I was like, nah, man. <laughs> First, you got to go there. You make sure it's available. Then, you know, the whole thing, 10 days. 10 days? What do you mean 10 oh, days? Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My process was ammo. crazy because I, I went and got one in April, and I, I'm really picking it up on Saturday. Yeah. It's like the waiting process was crazy. Wow. Bro, but it's so funny. They're like, what do you mean I can't get yeah. it the same day? <laughs> it's so funny because I have a lot of friends who are liberals, man. Yeah. Mm. You know, uh you know, I have some, I mean, I have some roots in this town. And so I have a lot of friends. Most mm. of them are liberals. Mm. Uh, but like, because I'm their friend and because I talk to guns about mm. them all the time, mm. at least from a, uh, a two A stance, mm. they are more supportive. Yeah. Right. Mm. And so it's funny when this whole thing happened because same questions. They're like, yo, I want to get a gun. I don't know what to get, <laughs> yeah. but how do I get it? And I'm like, yeah. this is what you got to do. Yeah. And they hit me back. Like, same thing, right? <clears throat> 10 days. <laughs> like, I got to wait 10 days. And so I'm just like, yeah. oh, this is too easy. I yeah. take that opportunity to be like, you voted for it. Yep. You know? Yep. Oh, we got to wait 10 days because yep. you supported that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so <laughs> next time you think about, you know, a mm. gun control bill, you need to yeah. fucking vote That's against it. Advocate <laughs> against it. And you won't have to wait 10 days, you yeah. know, but like, or because of the ammo, I got to do a background check mm-hmm. for ammo. Like, yeah. 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 Cause like people like you yeah. voted for that. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. And so, uh, but yeah, man, it was crazy. So a lot of, <laughs> dude, a lot of people bought guns, man. A yeah. lot of my friends yeah. who are liberals bought yeah. guns. Yeah. But it's also good because I feel like it's a good 
segue to get them into the community. Well, mm-hmm. well, that too, but they get to stand on their own uh, misguided principles when they called me and were like, oh, fuck, I got to get a gun, bro. I was like, oh, yeah, now you want to get a gun, huh? Uh-huh. Now you want to get one. Yeah. All right, well, all right, all right, this is how you do it. But I'm saying, <laughs> I'm yeah. saying, like, they get to stand on that. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, what you said, you voted for that. You chose that. Yeah. Now look at you. Yeah. And this was obviously due to the hype of the pandemic. They're like, of oh, my God, everybody's freaking out. Like, Oh my god, it lines around the, mm-hmm. the block. I'm like, oh shit, dude, 10 days. Yeah. I mean, it, it's always interesting to see that the point I was now I remember the point I was going was it's always interesting to see that when shit really does hit the fan, that your ego goes out the door, man. It's all about you and your family oh, and yeah. how you protect them. Yeah. And so, really, the, two, the real 2A community, that's what it's about. Right. You know, it, it's frustrating when they paint, paint it. I've said this before. It's frustrating when they paint this out to be like these weird wackos shooting guns having yeah. like you know 100 guns at the house mm-hmm. and you know redneck dudes driving around just you know gun toting gun toting it's frustrating because most of the guys that i know are like you mm-hmm. really well educated uh articulate individuals i mean new gunners like that he's not he's not some thug or some gangster he's just you right. know he's this dude's pretty much like my brother he wants to protect himself possibly right. his family mm-hmm. and that's that is the real misconception of 2a I mean, there are some weirdos out there in 2A that give us a bad name. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. But the majority is, I would like to say on record that that's not us. It's not who we are. It comes down to the law of averages, man. Uh, You know, that that goes for anything. Mm -hmm. People say, why are there more deaths in America than any other country? Have you seen the size of America? Mm -hmm. Like, when's the last time you looked at the population of America? Mm -hmm. That is the law of averages. You know what I mean? Or or people die more by guns than mm-hmm. this and that. First of all, that's mm-hmm. not true. Mm-hmm. We know that's not true. Mm-hmm. But even so, when you have this many people that own guns in a free country, mm-hmm. then by just the law of averages will mm-hmm. tell you that yes, you're gonna have gun related incidents. Yeah. You know, and, and for the people that really know the two A community or at least understand it. Mm-hmm also understand that we're against those type of people those gun-toting fucking mm-hmm. yeah uh, absolutely ignorant assholes that absolutely. just make us all look like an asshole for in the sure. community for sure you know we're against those guys um <clears throat> and you, we we would love nothing more for those guys to not own guns mm-hmm. because just like being a cop or a military guy or a doctor not everyone's ma- cut out mm-hmm. to be that yeah not everyone's cut out to have a gun mm-hmm. You have that right, but that doesn't mean that everyone should have the ability to mm-hmm. execute it. And I'm not by any means saying that we should offer gun control or there should be some type of gun control. No, not not so whatsoever. But I but there are some people that don't are not in the right mindset mm-hmm. to own a gun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like there are some doctors that should not be yeah, doctors. doctors. Yeah, straight up. I mean, malpractice is like the leading cause. Oh, yeah. After cancer, malpractice oh, yeah. is like the leading cause of deaths I believe it. in this country. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. You know? Yeah. And so, good God, man. Like, well, Let's not brush over that real quick. Isn't yeah. that amazing that malpractice is the second leading cause of death? Because my, my friend, who's a very good friend of mine, she's an OR nurse. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be at Hogue, and you think Hogue has a lot of good doctors. And she goes, "Man, there's some doctors there, bro. If you need a surgery, you gotta hit me up first. I'll let you know which ones eat. Yeah, can operate one. on you because there's a lot of them that are just fucking shit." Yeah, I was like, "No way! <laughs> what the fuck? Is that amazing?" Yeah, but scary. it's the same. I mean, it, it it all goes. It all comes back to the law of averages, man. Like there are so many doctors in this country. Yeah. But if you look at the way people can become become doctors, yeah, there's a lot of gray area there. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, I've heard of people going to Guam or people going oh, to right. going to South America right. or going to some other foreign country right. 
to get that certification, then they right. come back here and finish it out. Now right. they're all of a sudden they're that's, they're MD. That's a hack. You know what I mean? Now I'm not saying that they're not good doctors because yeah. they took that route. Yeah. But I'm saying that <clears throat> the standards, just like any other, just mm-hmm. like cops, just like SF guys, mm-hmm. the standards are not where they should be, and yeah. the 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 monitoring or the whoever's enforcing those standards mm-hmm. and not enforcing them like they should be. Mm-hmm. If a doctor, in my opinion. If a cop shoots a bad guy, mm-hmm. or excuse me, if a cop shoots a uh, a person that mm-hmm. was not a bad guy, mm-hmm. he should no longer be a cop. Right. 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 Now, if you kill that person, you, not only should you not be a cop, but you should probably go to jail. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Because what makes his murder any different mm-hmm. from a civilian who yeah. committed murder? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. For sure. For sure. But that's not the that's not the way they look at it. Right. And there could be a lot that goes into that. Maybe the guy's been a cop a long time. He has a good reputation. Mm-hmm. He's his record's clean. He's mm-hmm. outstanding. He makes he makes one mistake, mm-hmm. and when That's, it comes to yeah. the department, maybe they're trying to look out for the guy. Mm-hmm. As a community, we we may look at that like, why does yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Why is there a double standard mm-hmm. here? But we are looking at service level things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you look into the guy, yeah. who he is, who he was, yeah. then maybe you know what. He stepped on his dick, as we say, <laughs> and maybe he deserves a less lesser punishment yeah. than a normal guy, yeah. right? So there are a lot of factors that go into it, man. Doctors, cops, SF guys, you know, engineers, whoever. Yeah. There's a lot of factors that we need to yeah. look into it. But yeah. we, as a community, as a society, we see something, and we think they're all like that, right? Right? Or we right. think automatically, like, you know, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, mm. you know, generalize. And so that guy that killed, uh, I forget his name already, but that guy that killed George Floyd, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's a piece of shit Mm -hmm. for fucking putting his knee on his neck for eight or so, eight eight minutes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a long ass time, bro. Yeah, that's too long. You know? Yeah. And then, and if the guy's saying he can't breathe or whatever, (laughs) why are you still have, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? If the guy's Mm -hmm. not moving, Mm -hmm. then why do you, so there's a lot that goes into it, but like the other three cops that were there, they're equally wrong for Absolutely. not stopping that. Guy. Absolutely, but Absolutely. at least the videos that I saw, a couple of the guys were trying to keep the crowd back. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. maybe they looked back a couple times or whatever. I'm not going to get into all that. I'm not going to speculate. But all I'm saying is that when it comes to someone who commits a crime or does something mm-hmm. wrong, especially mm-hmm. when they are a uh, a public employee, mm-hmm. um, you know, we shouldn't be so jun- we shouldn't be so quick to like just. Bl- put them on the same boat man mm-hmm. you know a lot of people say cops are bad this mm-hmm. and that you know how many cops are in this country oh yeah yeah <laughs> like you said 9,000 just in the LAPD LAPD has 9,000 yeah, yeah in this country there's hundreds of yeah, thousands yeah, yeah, yeah. of cops for sure and if you take all <clears throat> the incidents that were wrong like where people innocent mm-hmm. people died that still doesn't make yeah cops the majorly bad you know Th- what I mean? this is also the other thing that people don't understand or realize and I think more people should presence this but cops their job is to look for threats. And when that's your job, you're saying work three days on, four days off, whatever. If that's your job for three days to look for threats, that's got to fuck you up sometimes. It takes a toll. It takes a toll. So when, when a real threat does occur, I'm not saying that it's right. But I'm just saying I under, I can understand the mindset of of, of uh, being overzealous. I, not that it's right, but I can understand it. That's hence why they need more funding, more training, psychological training, physical For sure. training. Um, but that's really what cops go through, man. Like, you know, if it was my, I have friends that are cops and all the time. And they tell me that it changes them sometimes. The, the job really does change your mindset sometimes. You know, the, when I look at it from, when I look at it from a bird eye view, I, I personally think that 
the cop who's on the street doing his job, mm-hmm. it's not his fault. I think that his leadership mm-hmm. fails them. Right. I think that their leadership, whatever that chain of command is, mm-hmm. fails them. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are going to give a person, I don't know, what is it for a police academy, like six weeks mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. and then you say, after six weeks, you're like, here's your badge, yeah, here's your gun, you go. <laughs> go ahead. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. If you don't follow him up, if you don't do follow-up training, mm-hmm. if you don't do follow-up evaluations, mm-hmm. if you don't have standards <coughs> that he needs to meet every month, every week, mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't have someone who is checking in on this person, mm-hmm. hey, how you doing today? How's it going? Whatever. Are, you know what I mean? Like, are you overwhelmed? Is this mm-hmm. taking a toll? Like, is there certain levels of PTSD occurring? Mm-hmm. Who Who's checking up on right. this guy? Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Right. It goes back to when I was talking about SF guys. Yeah. SF guys work, they bust their butts yeah. to become a Green Beret. Absolutely. That's, you made it to the varsity team. Yeah. So when you're on a varsity team and you go overseas and let's say you see some fucked up shit, it mm-hmm. fucks you up in the head, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you come back home, a lot of SF guys will be very hesitant to raise their hands and ask for help because in the SF community or the organization, when you raise your hand and you ask for help, they take you off a team. Mm. because at least for the period that you need help or you need to be evaluated, mm-hmm. you are non-operational. Right. So you're, you're a take, liability. Mm-hmm. You may be a liability, yeah. not just, you know, but to yourself as yeah, well, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um, so they pull you off the team. Yeah. They pull you off a team. They try to get you some help. And yeah. In the meantime, they give you a desk job in some S shop, some mm-hmm. support shop somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And so n- nobody wants to raise their hand, bro. Like I, when you work that long and that hard to mm-hmm. make the varsity team you don't want to sit on the bench mm-hmm. you know what i mean you want to go do the thing that you were trained to do th- we're trained to yeah. do yeah you know so a lot of guys <clears throat> and even when you get help that the the military sucks at dealing with ptsd mm. and they suck at helping guys yeah so and you know i don't care who's listening to this right now but like i'll tell you my personal uh, opinion of mm-hmm. the military they suck <laughs> at helping guys that need help. It's true. But what they do is they're like, oh, here, go see this doctor. Yeah. Cool. The doctor talks to you. Hey, man, like, tell me your symptoms, right? And then the doctor will give you prescribed meds. This is the they, VA. Well, it's not just the VA. It starts at the at the local unit because uh-huh. every local unit has their own medical gotcha. kind of facility or gotcha. whatever, right? It could be gotcha. the VA, but it's also. Sure. Anyway, so they hand out prescription meds like it's candy, mm. right? They don't have – and like – who can talk to SF guys about PTSD? Mm-hmm. You think some doctor who did eight years sure. in a college is going to come and be able to talk to you about PTSD? Fuck no, man. They haven't yeah. seen what you've seen. Yeah. But that's who's trying to address it. Yeah. You know, they're mm-hmm. trying to take the textbook route mm-hmm. and like, let's have these professionals mm-hmm. who have titles mm-hmm. help these guys, mm-hmm. even though they've never could understand what these guys have been through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when these guys go talk to these professionals, like, hey, this is what I'm going through. I mean, when I did that, I was like, you have no clue what I'm saying right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You have no idea. How mm-hmm. do I relate this? How do right. I articulate this so you right. understand? And then right. you're going to tell me like, well, you know, uh, you know, if you're, if you're lacking sleep or if you're tired or if you're mm-hmm. depressed, you know, we'll check in with you, this and that. But here's some meds too. Yeah. There's and no trust. There's no. no trust. There's no trust there from you and the doctor. There, there, Sorry, well, there's no, there's no common ground. Right. You know, there's no... There's so how can you respect that? Yeah. You know, as... It as would literally take another SF guy who now is a doctor, who is a psychologist or whoever, you yeah, know, to yeah. come and talk to you right. and be like, bro, I've been there. I've done that. Right. Mm-hmm. And now I got the professional training knowledge right. to help you. Right. Or at the minimum, 
put a bunch of SF group guys in, yeah. a, in a circle and have them talk it out. 100%. You know? 100%, yeah. Because then you're in a circle of trust. Yeah. Guys who've been there with you. Yeah, absolutely. And they right. understand what you're saying. Yeah, and like they right. can give you their perspective on how it helps them. Yeah. 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 But when you give, when you, you know, when you just dish out prescription meds like it's candy and you, these guys don't yeah. really get the help that they need. Yeah. What happens is these guys, and they don't raise their hands. Mm -hmm. And if they do, they're off the team. If they don't, mm -hmm. they have to deal with it in their own way. They don't get the meds. Mm -hmm. I mean, they could probably sneak and be like, oh, I can't sleep. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't say anything about PTSD. They're mm -hmm. like, oh, I just can't sleep. Okay, cool. Go see the doc. The doc gives you some meds to help you sleep or whatever, you know, or, or some uppers to like, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But like these guys find their own ways of dealing with it. Mm -hmm. They go home. They get violent with their families. Mm -hmm. they, they start drinking a lot. Maybe they find their own way to drugs. And like before you know it, man, it leads them to a decision which ultimately takes them away from everybody mm -hmm. they loved, you know? And they take their own life. That's the ugly side of war, right? Not even fighting in war, but for preparation. Of I war. mean, my last five years at fifth group, uh, my last five years at fifth group, we had three or four dudes that took their lives. Oh, man. And one yeah. of them was a good, I mean, I knew the other three guys, but one of them was a good friend of mine, man, JD. <clears throat> I'll never forget that guy. He's always, he was always like an up-tempo guy, happy, mm -hmm. like joking around, you know? But even when he was suffering through all that, <clears throat> there was no flags for me. There was no indicators. Like you, you didn't, he hit it well. He, yeah. No, he hit he it hit well. well right. you know? Because he probably didn't want to be off the team, man. But I, I knew his wife. I knew his two girls. Yeah. Like, good dude, man. Yeah. And he was a good fucking Green Beret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I show up to work one morning like, yo, you hear what happened? I'm like, nah, JD took his life. <sighs> And like nobody knew he was going through that. One, he didn't raise his hand because he knew what was going to happen. Yeah, but yeah, two, yeah. he didn't he didn't have a healthy outlet. Maybe yeah. his wife just wasn't doing it for mm -hmm. him. You know, for me, I mean, I, I know I can't deny that I have PTSD at a, yeah. to a certain degree. Sure. But I also had a big like a support. I had a big support network. Yeah. You know, and I found ways to talk to people where I could just talk about enough. Sure. Where I don't have to get into the gritty details, but sure. just talk about enough mm -hmm. where. Like so at least it unload helped me. It. Yeah, unload, unload a little it, bit yeah. of that, mm -hmm. you know. And then I surrounded myself with, um, obviously just, uh, just good people, man. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, and then I, and I found outlets like healthy outlets. Mm -hmm. I started going to the gym a lot more. Yeah. You know, I stopped drinking. Not that I had a drinking problem ever, but I just didn't feel like sure. drinking anymore. Sure. Sure. You know, um, I started living a healthier lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I always wanted to do. I mean, I was always like a firearms instructor and stuff, and I, you know, and you guys know I do that now, but like going to the range on my own time mm -hmm. outside of classes. Mm -hmm. That's for me like range therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Like for us shooters, <laughs> we say range therapy because it really it is works, it's therapeutic. Yeah. It I works. Bet. You go to a range, even if it's you and a couple of guys, yeah. you're all doing the same thing. It works. And mm -hmm. the moment when you're taking shots, mm -hmm. it's you. No one else mm -hmm. is talking to you. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And so it's uh, like in the gym. For me, I get about an hour and a half in the gym, like four to five days a week. And wow. well, I mean, now that the gyms are open sure. again, sure, sure, sure. but like I've lost a lot of weight since COVID, bro. I, I dropped like almost fifteen pounds. No oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, you are. You actually, dude. Your arms are huge when we're a CQB. Yeah, man. So yeah. now I'm like leaned out. I'm like <laughs> one. Like, I'm like one seventy two right now. I gotta get back to. I was one eighty seven. Wow. Before COVID, yeah. but like for me, like going to the gym is therapeutic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, some people go to the gym as like buddies and groups. I yeah. like to go to the gym and just zone out. For sure. You know Same. and. and Same. Uh, and so if you find those kind of healthy out and, and my kids, to be yeah. honest, my kids, uh, that's why I moved out of L.A., yeah. moved closer to them 30 minutes because I knew I could go see them anytime I wanted. Yeah. If I wanted to drop them off at school, I could yeah. go drop them off at school. Sure, if I wanted sure, to pick them up, I sure. could pick them up, you know. And so my kids, you know, those combination of things in my life keep me yeah. how I am, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, so I don't spiral yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But when I think about 
everything that I've been through uh, and the and the friends that I've lost over time. And, and like, dude, it gets me, sometimes it gets me in a slump. Yeah. You I, know? Can, I can't imagine. I was going to say I can imagine. Yeah. I cannot imagine that. It gets but. me in a slump and like it's it sucks, man. Well, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I mean, <clears throat> you have managed to, to deal with your issues responsibly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the major reasons why we wanted to showcase who you were on this podcast. You know, um, it was refreshing to see in the sense where uh, you're articulate, you know how to carry yourself. But more importantly, I mean, all the shit you've been through, bro, people need to see that it's possible for them. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. We have another, um, we actually have an, uh, he's, he's he's an athlete for our, our company. His name is AJ. I mean, he, he was on here. He spoke about how he uh, almost ended his life twice before he was able to get help from the VA. Um, first couple of times, they're like, ah, oh, you're not in, quote unquote, in danger of yourself, so we can't technically help you. So he actually actively tried to commit suicide twice. You know, it's all public knowledge. I mean, so I'm not sharing anything intimate. It's on our other podcast, but it's surprising to see guys like that who give their lives to protect America, obviously overseas. And when they actually need the help or seek the help, they don't get it. So I think it's just that much more important that people know your story somewhat, you know, because I, I think, you know, we only have about an hour or so with you. But it's important for them to see that there is a responsible way to handle it and you can come out the other side a lot better. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I think just on the VA aspect, I would say probably five years ago, the VA was terrible. I mean, mm. nobody like the vets that were out could barely get through to the VA, to yeah. an actual person yeah. on the VA. Mm-hmm. Like the support system was bad. People were backed up on appointments. Like you couldn't even see your primary care physician, let alone get an actual special consultation to whoever you're trying to go see. But I I would say that in the last couple of years, the VA has really improved a lot of what they're trying to do, man. I've had honestly nothing but good Mm -hmm. experiences with the VA. Mm -hmm. And I came to LA like, I heard all the scary stories. (laughs) They were like, bro, good luck. Especially mm, in LA, yeah. forget about it. You know, yeah. and I was like, so I came here. I was like, wow, bro, this is gonna be this is gonna be the worst. <laughs> but surprisingly, man, from <clears throat> the day one of me going to enroll mm-hmm. and register at the VA clinic here to even now, it's been nothing but positive. And nice. uh, I hope that I hope that I'm not the only one that feels that way. Mm-hmm. I hope that a lot of vets uh, are getting that same kind sure. of experience. You sure. know, uh, at least now. But sure. I, yeah, man, like I would say, four or five years ago, it was really bad. Mm-hmm. So the VA doesn't need a lot of work, but I think the VA got they got looked at real hard yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah, you know, and they had to make yeah. some changes. And yeah. dudes were people were like getting fired and stuff. Mm. Yeah, you know, which yeah. right, rightfully so, man. Yeah, rightfully you know, so. But well, <clears throat> before we uh, end this podcast, let's round it out, man. How are you nowadays? What are you up to, man? Now you got the Moose store. Talk about a little bit about that if you want. Oh man, the Moose store. So and you're all you're also training, obviously training. Uh, yeah, so I run two companies. Uh, obviously, I've been running two Alpha Training Group for a, a while now. Uh, I was in fact I started that company even before I got out of the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have expanded. I have two instructors here in California that I've taken under my wing, and mm-hmm. and they're doing really well. Mm-hmm. And I have two instructors out in the Midwest uh, that I need, I need to work with a little mm-hmm. bit more. But as far as like. The company, the company's grown quite a bit, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we went from like little hodgepodge classes <laughs> that I would announce on Instagram, you know, and, and hopefully fill, you know, <laughs> to like to legit like you know contracts and yeah. stuff with awesome. with LE agencies mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and 
and other venues that we've been invited to. So the company's grown quite a bit, uh, and it takes a lot of my time. It's it's my favorite part of what I do. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. I love teaching. I love being on the range with people mm-hmm. and, and and learning from them as much as they learn from me and, and doing that. And then the Musa store is a company that um, I started about I want to say three years ago, mm-hmm. and I I had the help of two other military guys. Mm-hmm. And so we're all co-owners, um, but the the aspect of that store was to have a a curated mm-hmm. uh, place where you could go find stuff that mm-hmm. works, mm-hmm. right? Tactical gear that works. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to we didn't want to turn into <coughs> like the a Walmart of tactical mm-hmm. gear, like mm-hmm. a Brownells or something like that, where you just go get lost in a bunch mm-hmm. of junk. Yeah, we wanted to t- cherry pick certain Smart. things from every company: Safari Land, Surefire, Smart. Wilder. I mean, think whoever, right? Smart. Um, to bring on you know mm-hmm. and now but we start i started that company with a couple t-shirts mm-hmm. so i had a t-shirt uh, i have the the right to bear arms t-shirt <laughs> with that bear with the, uh, the armless bear mm-hmm. with the uh, ar on the ground it's basically <laughs> the california flag mm-hmm. um and then we did like pistol fundamentals and rifle mm-hmm. fundamentals so and the t-shirt was just to kind of get the name out there yeah mm-hmm. you know because everybody loves t-shirts but then we went from t-shirts to quickly like going to tactical gear mm-hmm. and bringing on all these vendors uh, and if you guys look at the store now, it's grown quite a bit. Oh, yeah, I was on there the other day. <laughs> we have everybody <laughs> on the store. Yeah, I that's mean, awesome. and if we don't have them on the store currently, we're probably talking to them. You know, mm-hmm. the Musa store is my my vision for the Musa store is to, is to kind of make it the tactical mm-hmm. REI, mm-hmm. right? Where you can go get the best stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to stop there. I want the tactical aspect of the store to be one corner mm-hmm. of the virtual store. Mm-hmm. And so we're about to get into the outdoors uh, uh, industry. Nice. Nice. Cool. We're about to get into the fitness industry. Hey, um, let's go. So, <laughs> I yeah, love yeah. it, man. I love it, bro. Yeah, yeah. Hustling. So we're talking to companies that like <clears throat> Big Agnes and Jet Boyle and like these companies that make the outdoor industry. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, everything from like your 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 car your car tents, mm-hmm. you know, that you can uh, mount yeah. on top of your vehicles to go. like lighting and, and sleeping lady. bags. Yep. Everything like that. And then also at the same time we're getting into the fitness industry. Nice. So we're going to bring on like some, a lot of fitness equipment. Yeah. Uh, we're talking to Rogue and XD Fit. And nice. Whatever. And then we're also going to look at kind of s- the apparel that, suppl- yeah. that sure. you know, supports those industries. Mm. So we're growing, man. We're growing. And I have a good team, you know. Yeah. My job for the Musa store now is just to be the face and voice of the company. Mm. But I don't do anything operational-wise. <laughs> I really don't, man. Um, you know, we brought on some really smart people mm-hmm. to be the CEO and the mm-hmm. COO, mm-hmm. the CFO. Like, mm-hmm. we brought on the really smart people to be those titles right on. Right and, on. And, and do that yeah. so that so that myself and, like, my two business partners mm-hmm. kind of chill out yeah. and look at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really about that's So that's the Musa store. I mean, yeah. themusastore.com if you, if you want to check it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we try to have the lowest prices for Hell everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you want a Surefire Light or a Safari Land holster, we try to drop our prices yeah. as low as we can. Um, right on, man. Yeah, man. Otherwise, twoalphatraininggroup.com. <laughs> and in fact, I say the website, but the website isn't even live yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Get that going. <laughs> I know, I know. But it's but what you can do is go to twoalphatraininggroup.com and, mm-hmm. and sign up for the newsletter. So okay, cool. you can put your email in there or whatever. And then as yeah. soon as it goes live, you, you know, yeah. we'll get yeah. things up and running for you. But that's it. And then all my collaborations yeah. for social media, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, working with Glock is a blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, working with some of these other bigger companies where they can, is a blessing. Where can they find you on IG? Uh, so Kawa underscore M underscore official. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that is my main account. It was too out for the quit, but mm. I changed it because <laughs> I'm trying to get that blue check mark from mm. Facebook, but mm. Facebook just hate, hates us. Yeah. <laughs> they hate the two A community. They hate us, man. Yeah. They hate us. But one of the requirements was it needs to represent my name. Sure. You know, only sure. celebrities get away with that stuff. Sure, sure, mm. sure. Yeah. So I changed it, although I have a backup account. But that's where you can find me. Right on. Uh, YouTube channel is too out for the quit. Facebook is too out for the quit. The podcast is uh, the Two Alpha Collective podcast. Nice. Um, so, okay. you know, maybe I'll get you guys on Hell there sometime. Yeah, That'd be dope. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm trying to get a little more routine on that. But right now is a couple episodes that are cool. cool. Pretty cool episodes to cool. go check out. Cool. So that's it, man. All right. Awesome. Well, thank man. you so much <laughs> yeah, for yeah, making time you. to come down, man. You're one of my most favorite people in the community. Keep doing your that. thing. You're crushing yeah, it, bro. You. And uh, I love hearing your story. Hopefully we can make some more time later on the li- down the line sometime to check in with you and see how you're doing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 no, it was a good chat for sure. <laughs> you know, like it, it yeah. flowed. I loved it. It was a long time coming because we've been trying yeah. to schedule. Yes, this for a while. bro. I'm trying to get him for like six months. Ago. I know you've been telling me, <laughs> but I'm glad we finally around. made it yeah, happen, yeah. man. And maybe yeah. you know, come back and make a round two sometime. Oh, yeah, absolutely, bro. Yeah, 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 sure. Absolutely. Thank man. you so much for having me. All right, yeah. brother. Thank you, Kawa. Cool. You're now entering the water.